Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the Left of Greg podcast. I am Brian Marin, the host and creator of the show. As always, I will be joined by human behavior expert, Mr. Greg Williams, who the show is affectionately named after. Here on the Left of Greg show, our goal is to increase your advanced critical thinking ability through a better understanding of what we call human behavior, pattern recognition, and analysis. If you'd like to find out more about what that is, you can check out our website at arcadiacognorati.com or by following us on Facebook at HBPRA. Please help support the show by checking out our Patreon site where for just a few dollars you can have access to all kinds of episode extras, videos, and short tutorials that are updated weekly. Just click the link in the episode details that says support the show and we'll take you directly to that site. If you have any questions or would like us to cover a specific topic, please reach out to us at leftofgreg at gmail.com. On today's episode, Greg and I are talking about social media manipulation and extremist groups with our friend Dr. Carlos Vazquez. Dr. Carlos is an author and holds a doctorate in psychology and a master's in criminal justice. He consults and lectures on criminal psychopathology, criminal organizations, and media manipulation. He is the author of the book Apocalyptic Psychology that documents the strategies that ISIS uses to recruit fighters. In addition, Dr. Carlos also hosts a podcast on iHeartRadio called The Forensic Psychology Show, discussing human behavior and criminology. During the episode, we talk about a number of topics, including manipulation tactics, how our beliefs influence our behavior, and we also discuss how all humans, not just marginalized populations, are susceptible to manipulation. Don't forget to check the links in the episode details so that you can learn more about Dr. Carlos and also find the links to his book and podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy the show. We should be live now. Does it say live up there? We'll just go live ahead. on Facebook, buddy. All right. Well, we are live and ready to go and recording for those of you just listening. This was recorded just a few days prior, but we have a very special guest on Dr. Carlos, someone who we know have kind of done a little bit of collaboration with and hopefully more in the future. But thank you so much, Carlos, for hopping on the show today. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen, for having me here. I'm honored. Well, yeah, we we really uh, we appreciate. It. We love talking to you. We did some stuff. We'll get into kind of what what we did later. But the reason I kind of wanted to have you on was because you are a psychologist, and you've written a bunch on well, one specifically you've written on ISIS about apocalyptic psychology and kind of their strategies that they use to manipulate people. And and I think those kind of are seen across all different extremist groups or different even sometimes political organizations. Uh, whatever it is, we see it and and how they actually use social media. So we can, you know, cover this in depth, but I'd love to give us a little bit of uh, how you look at it and how you approach it with ISIS. And, and then we'll kind of jump into some of the things that they specifically do. I'll give you a very small version of how it all started. I was always fascinated by the apocalypse and um, the end times, but obviously being uh, trained in psychology, I really wondered how it have influenced people's beliefs and behavior. Um, I know you gentlemen do the same thing and you're always looking to see what, what things can influence people's behavior. And I see it with the apocalypse. I thought, well, if people believe in heaven or hell, and what type of heaven or hell they believe in, that's going to influence how they behave. And then a friend of mine told me, well, you know, you should read about ISIS because I think they're into this apocalypse stuff. And I said, really? I have to read about ISIS? Okay, I'll read about it. So I started reading about them and I realized, wow, they really are into this stuff. And then I realized they're using it to recruit individuals. And that's kind of what led to this journey of um, studying ISIS, what I call apocalyptic psychology, uh, which led to phone calls from uh, FBI and CIA and talking about go. it, which was funny because they were asking me, well, what does that mean? And um, 
you know, it never existed before that I know of. <laughs> Couldn't find it. But it really is. It's studying the influence of apocalyptic thinking. And it has an impact on individuals. And that's what they that's what they did. That's what they used. Yeah. So can you kind of de- define then what, what that is? What do you mean by like apocalyptic psychology? I, I love the fact that you were able to coin a new term because that's that's awesome, right? So you get you maybe can't trademark that and every time someone uses it, but but uh we'll just we'll just steal it from you. But no, just kind of like define what, what you mean by apocalyptic psychology, because obviously I'm assuming it doesn't just ISIS doesn't have a uh, have a monopoly on that type of thinking. No, and it's been going on for centuries. It's going on for a while, centuries and decades. We saw it with um, the Y2K. Remember the Y2K, yeah. 1999. Everything was going to go to the hell in a handbasket. Oh, this is well, this is Facebook. It's like, so everything's going to go crazy, and um, you have to be careful. And uh, one of the issues, I mean, we saw churches doing a lot of um, survival kits. Sales were going up. Bunkers were going up. Uh, people were saying, oh, you know, what's going to happen when the computer switched to 2000? But what happens is it puts people in an urgent mode, right? In this alert mode, as you folks know, in regards to the amygdala, everything starts firing, right? They, get, they go from this conditioned white kind of area to like almost conditioned red because <laughs> they're really looking for this threat. And it's persistent. And the media is kind of like constantly hammering it down. And we've seen it before with other people who said the end of times, we saw in 2012, I think they did a study over 30% of people believe that the end of times was going to happen according to the Mayans Mm -hmm. in 2012, when they predicted the world was going to end in December, you might remember that. So you always have a cast of characters that come out and and predict that the world was coming to an end. And a lot of people, unfortunately do believe it for whatever reason, but ISIS was using it. um, And they were very, very clever the way they were using it because they were distorting Islam. So Islam is not based on ISIS uh, theology. They have a distorted right. version of it. And what they also did was they were looking at different manuscripts. It's kind of complicated because Islam gets really complicated when you start looking at the different books that they have, hadiths, which are like their commentaries for, for people who are Christians. They'll have like a, their Bible commentary right. version. And they got really involved. And um, so they started cherry picking what they wanted. And they started cherry picking prophecies and accomplishing them. Uh, one of the big moments was Dabak. I don't know if you guys remember Dabak in Syria, when they took that over, that was a huge moment in their prophecy. And that really got the ball rolling because people were like, oh, wow, these guys actually did what the prophecy said. And they were wearing black and they were running with horses and with flags. Right. Just like what the prophecy said. So when that started happening and they started getting territory, which was another sign, it really motivated people to join them because they saw this as the winning team. And, and both of you and I know that you want to join that winning team. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, and you, that all that uh, symbolism plays a lot into it. Right. And especially in, um, in, in very religious cultures, like the Muslim faith. And like you said, they use their version of it. You know, I, I that's the, the, the problem with religion is you get to interpret it. Right. So even if it's far away from what the, what the actual tenets of the faith are. And, you know, we see that in, in a lot of different cultures, a lot of different religions, the, Hey, this coming apocalypse, we must prepare for this. This is going to happen. And, and to your point too, like, I, I get that that's sort of maybe, maybe that's part of just biology in us. We all know we're going to die someday. Right. And we don't get to usually choose when, but um, my always thing is my counter to that has always been, well, so far, anyone who's ever said that has been wrong. So the, the overwhelming amounts of evidence show that, well, no, we actually might be here for a little while. You know, we, we might need to, to think like, hey, this isn't ending. It's going to be here a long time. But um, that to just kind of get back to that, that symbolism stuff is, 
you know, you see that with, with organizations where they'll pick out different parts of the faith or different tenets of belief and then come up with a, some symbol or way to go, look, see, this fits with what we were talking about. And that's not just, you know, particular to ISIS. That's a lot of different extremist groups. Yeah. I, 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 Doc, one, one thing. Th- thanks, by the way. Marina always throws me right into the middle. You talk, you talk for five minutes. I've got a page of notes. Yeah, I know. I already took a half a <laughs> you know page. That's, that's always going to be an earmark of a great show. So I, I want to hit a couple of things that you brought up, Doc. And, and it's, it's really great because uh, uh, for Y2K, I was an area coordinator. So I got to fly the green flag with the white cross because I was the shell answer man for that to tell everybody, you know, what was and wasn't going to happen. And that's amazing. But I would, I would say that both of you brought up and, and clearly because of the book and the, the fantastic book, uh, Brian's going to have a link on there so everybody can look up the book and get a copy of their own. But we're, we're talking about Muslim uh, from a Christian standpoint, let's say, or from a Jewish standpoint. But, but let's look at David Koresh. Let's look at the Branch Davidians uh, anniversary uh, uh, recently passed. And there was a, the opening of the show showed a beautiful farm with an Arabian horse running by. And then this uh, woman was walking by talking to the interviewer. And she goes, hey, I got a chance. Uh, uh, to marry Jesus Christ, the, the, you know, the savior that came back down to earth, what would you do? And she was still under <clears throat> that spell here all these years later. And, and remember Timothy McVeigh, who blew up the Murrah federal building was at the branch Davidian compound outside with the news media, eating the popcorn, watching what was going on. It fascinated him. Uh, um, some of the shows that are on television right now and, and uh, doc, you, you and Brian are so much younger than I am. Uh, compliment. So send them money. But uh, back in the uh, uh, 60s, the late 50s and all through the 60s, the most popular television show, comic books, cartoons, everything were Westerns. We couldn't get enough of the Westerns. That's not so now because the times have changed a little bit, haven't they? And so now what do we get? Every movie on television seems to be a zombie apocalypse thriller. It's about a race to the, the bottom with, uh, uh, you know, apocalyptic things. And, and society is destroyed immediately. And sometimes I think that's wrought from despair. And you brought it up, Doc. Psychologically, when we take a look at it, we've got the urgent messages that come along with brains chemistry. And we also have the procrastination messages that come along with the brain's chemistry. So when we get a little bit older or when we have, uh, uh, you know, the brain hates divided attention, when we have divided attention, we don't focus on one path. But now all of a sudden that, that seeming urgency forces us into that mode. And now we're preppers. Now we're survivors. Now we're members of some sort of militia. Uh, I just think that's a fascinating angle. Uh, to uh, What a great topic. As a copper, uh, uh, for three decades, I got to tell you this, everybody says, well, the full moon, you know, the lunacy comes from the full moon. And then there was myriad scientists that debunked that and said, that's not true. Every science, uh, scientist that debunked that wasn't a copper on the road during a full moon. Cause it goes to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> and you've got to know that too, from all of your clinical work, you know? So those are true things. Oh, you're absolutely right. And you hit so many things I wanted to, to, to mention. One of the things is Have Gun Will Travel is one of my favorite uh, there you go. Westerns <laughs> back then. Have Paladin. Travel. Paladin, exactly. Paladin yeah. was the show's name. It was great. Best business card ever. Um, but even in 2020 now, we're getting it. And, and what I've noticed, too, some of these years that have a special kind of number to them, right? 2000, 2020 tend to maybe attract people. I think Sylvia Brown predicted something was going to happen in 2020. Uh, I just did a, a podcast the other day, and we were ta- I was talking about a little bit about it. How Sylvia Brown mentioned in 2020, there, I think there was going to be a pandemic. 
Um, another person, another psychic, and it escapes me right now, her name, she said that in 2020, it was going to be Armageddon. So again, 2020, hey, it's provocative. <laughs> Sounds cool. Let's do it, right? Let's exactly use it. Exactly right. Well, that's, right. And that you, you see that a lot, especially when people make the generalized predictions. I mean, there was even one with someone wrote a sci-fi thing about a coronavirus hitting in this time. And you're like, I know it sounds crazy to predict something like that, but but it's actually not. It's it's actually th- these are things we've seen over time. So that's exactly. why I think it fits into when some of these extremist organizations come up with a very symbolic message and they attach that to some prehistoric thing that that they had written about or that person had learned about. Oh man, well now I'm I'm hooked in. So kind of like you because I know you break down um specifically what ISIS did and kind of like different stages that that you would you would say like satisfy my needs, right? If I'm looking around, because I, I would start there and, and maybe you could um maybe you have a different opinion, but I always say like a lot of people end up in this groups are looking for belonging to a group. So if you look for long for belonging to a group, you'll, you'll find one. So, so maybe that's the, the, that's the book club or the sewing club, or that's ISIS. And I know those sound so completely different, but, but a lot of the psychology behind it is very similar. So what are these I know stages or what, what needs do I need satisfied if I'm looking for that? And so, cause maybe I think for some people, they'll start to fall into this trap. And now if we teach them like, look, these are some of the things that you're looking for. And if you're not careful, you'll find it. Yeah, it's, it's a great point. And one of the things I did notice, I, mean, I read hundreds of books on not only Islam, but I wanted to get immersed in the culture as much mm-hmm. as I could. I interviewed soldiers over there. I interviewed Iraqi soldiers, Afghani soldiers. I interviewed people from ISIS. I interviewed American soldiers, British soldiers, anything I can get my hands on to try to get an understanding of the, of the individuals. And what I did learn was it's much more nuanced. Like everything in life, I always say life isn't simple. It's really just nuanced. And um, that's the problem we get because a lot of times we see these dichotomous type of, of behavior from individuals in social media. But the individual is satisfying the needs, as you mentioned, it depends on who you're recruiting. If you're recruiting the person who's going to go on the field to fight, that's a very different type of need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of those individuals in Iraq and Afghanistan and Syria, a lot of those individuals were younger males that maybe had a hard time getting, a, for instance, a wife. And one of the reasons, because in that culture, at least in their area, and again, uh, you can't overgeneralize because even people in Iraq, there's a lot of different types of ethnicities in Iraq, ethnicities, there's different groups. But in particular areas that they targeted, if you didn't have a job as a male, it was very difficult <laughs> to get a wife. Um, very, very difficult. So ISIS offered you a lot of things. They offered you, hey, in the meantime, we're actually going to give you a woman, which was what they considered an infidel. Um, and it doesn't count. So it's not cheating and you're not doing anything wrong because she's she's not Muslim. So it doesn't matter. That's how they portrayed it. That's what they viewed it as. So they gave them a woman. Usually it was a, a, obviously a hostage taken, kidnapped from somewhere. Yazidis were really common, unfortunately. It took a lot of their women. And so they would give them the woman, they would give them a wife. Eventually, they would also give them money. So these were all the needs they had. And then here's the other component. They targeted their family needs as well. So you had this young male who now they said, look, you can give this money to your family. We're going to give them a stipend. So they were able to provide money for their family, which is huge because now they become the breadwinner and help their family who's hurting. Oh, by the way, if you were to die... Don't worry, because you're going to be able to go to, to Jana, their, their paradise, their heaven. You're going to get the virgins. And there's a lot of different, <laughs> every imam that ISIS hired, because they hired different imams and usually had to say what they wanted them to say. Um, it was complicated because they had all different types of versions of how many virgins they would get or whatnot. 
But um, the other thing they would do is give them a free pass. They gave them this fast pass to all their family members. I think it was up to 18 or 20, depending on who you talk to, to go to John and to go to their paradise, to go to heaven. So think about it. Not only did you provide money for their family in the terrestrial world here, you gave the person a, a woman, a wife. You also gave them eternity for their family. You saved their entire family. You just went, so you're basically, this is, a, I guess, to use a, a modern term, you're, you're going from, from zero to hero pretty pretty quickly there. Um, and I, I, I see where that comes into play. So, because I look at those as like, man, these are different type of identity issues. These are socioeconomic issues. There's, there's like the fit, everyone fits into this mold so much. And because, and, and you know, a, a lot of people want to make it about, well, it's about religion and this. It's like, well, that's, that's a that's the tool they're using, but there's a lot more behind it that what's what's going on. And I, I think that you just those different areas. I mean, man, you're a young kid. You're you don't have a lot going on. You're not fitting anywhere. You don't have a job. You don't have a wife. Now you get all of this stuff, and you get to be the hero that you never were. That that you're now that the central character in that action movie you've been watching your whole life, and you get to play that. I mean, that's especially when you're young, that's incredibly powerful. I mean, absolutely incredibly powerful. And I, I think we see that a lot with all kinds of different groups that are out there right now. Maybe not to as much of an extent, obviously, or maybe not taking as much action as ISIS did. Maybe it's not someone literally going to fight in battle. Maybe it's just protesting on the street. But I see a lot of similarities in there, right? I don't know, Greg, do you have a... Uh, my thing is this. One, I want to disabuse everybody of the, the uh, uh, thought that it's a weak-minded person that falls for this. Right. That's no, not, not all. true. There's a lot of factors. And, and if yeah. you take a look at like the Stockholm syndrome, you know, you've got rational people put into an irrational, uh, uh, excited state and they do certain things because of it. And, and, uh, uh, I, I would say that there's probably the same type of thing with uh, a gambling addiction where you see a person and they think, wow, I only have a couple of dollars and I want to make something out of it. So despair drives that not mental illness and, and certainly not weak-minded folks. And, and Brian, I would, I would say, I, I wrote these ideas down again. It's a great guest, Carlos, when you come on, it's always Thank a lot of fun. Much. You're very inspirational. Uh, so if you had a bunch of people and you put them in a room and you gave everybody a laminated copy of Kubler-Ross, you know, the, the five stages of grief, and you said, do me a favor, categorize these five stages of grief in an incident that you were involved in that we all know about, and then have a counterpart somewhere else in the room write down what they thought those reactions were. It's going to be completely different. And the reason I bring that up is perception is the reality of the human at the end of the stick. So you've got the quatrains from Nostradamus, right? And I know we've all read those. And, and I would bring those into play to say that a light-haired stranger on the fifth day of the rabbit will come bearing gifts. And that through the ages, and folks, I'm paraphrasing, don't go look it up. That through the ages meant the typhoon was going to hit, you know, on this day, you can make sense out of it because it's, it's obtuse. And, and what, what you got is now look at something that happened in your backyard, Dr. Carlos, you've got Isla Vista. That's not too far away in California. You got Elliot Roger, Elliot Roger spurned yeah. by every attempt to get a girl. Every time he came up there, like, you know, that he also felt that because of his race, his ethnicity, some other factors, He's a brilliant cat. If you read any of the stuff he wrote, okay, he was a little touched. He had a little mental illness that he that he had to get reined in. But it wasn't to the point that that caused his psychopathy. What happened is he was he could have easily been a willing participant as a body bomber in ISIS, 
or as a sniper somewhere else. And your book outlines that. And I think that's important that we've got kids in Minneapolis and we've got kids in Seattle and we've got kids in Jacksonville uh, that can be recruited. And how are they recruited? They're recruited to the promise of something different, maybe something better. Maybe somebody will remember my name somewhere. And man, that's dangerous. If you don't have training and education to counter that, that's a dangerous, slippery slope. If I could clarify one thing too, the other thing I noticed, the way they targeted American recruits was different than the way they targeted those recruits in the Middle yep, East. Absolutely. There was a different target there. And what they were looking for here were individuals who felt marginalized. Uh, Greg mentioned it as well. People who um, didn't feel wanted, people didn't care about them. Yep. These were the people they were targeting. They were even existential in their magazines. When I read their magazines, yeah, folks, I read every single one of them, unfortunately. But when I read their magazines, they were very, very clever, unfortunately. And one of the things I remember reading, it always stands out to me. They said, they use a Barnum statement. I know you guys know what the Barnum statements are. It's always overgeneralized statements that it includes everybody, right? Everybody falls for it. Like, uh, I don't take criticism. You don't take criticism very well. And people think, yeah, that's me. That's me. That's the Barnum statement, folks, out there. But I remember one of them was, are you tired of working 40 hours a week? Are you tired of going home and there's nothing to do? And this is all that life is, just work and watch TV every day. And I'm looking at this going, this is from a terrorist group yeah, who's beheading people. And you're tapping into this, I guess, this inner feeling that a lot of us do have at times, right? We're transient, so sometimes we'll feel this feeling. And and I was like, wow, they're really going for the existential approach here. But anyway, yeah, they do target a lot of these individuals and they don't recruit them in the day. It takes months to groom them. Right. And and so so I, I know that 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 again goes into kind of once you have that hook set, then that kind of grooming process, it can take a while for them to go, you know, what we call flash to bang, or from you reading an internet post to now you're getting off a plane in the Middle East going to fight, you know, the infidels. Like that that takes a while and there's many steps in there. But you guys all just brought up something, you know, you talk about marginalized people and and you know, I wrote down you know, Greg, you said the term willing participant. Yep. And I think that's important. So that one of the distinctions I see with a lot of these different groups too, is, is that same guy who maybe, uh, you know, you even just brought up with a, with a, a Barnum statements, like that's how you sell a weight loss program too. That's how you sell a gym membership. Are you tired of this? Are you tired of looking like this? Yeah. Cause, cause it's so general and broad. I go, well, yeah, I guess I can identify with that. Yeah. I'm tired of working that much. I don't want to do that. And then that's step one. And then it goes a little further, a little further. And if those slow, subtle changes over time, right, I'm less likely to even notice how far down the rabbit hole, right, I've gone, so to speak, right? So so when you're looking for that, and that's why I say uh, some of these people, I, you could have also got them to be active members of the community, I think. You know exactly. what I'm saying? Like that same person that's willing to do that, well, that's the same person that's willing to join the US military or, or become a police officer or, or get involved. And I, it's, I, I think, or at least I would say that from basically a psychological standpoint, there's a lot of similar traits and characteristics in their behavior. So it's like, how did they, you know, so if, if this occurs mainly today over social media, right, it's not, especially when you talk about ISIS is I don't have to go to the mosque to get recruited anymore. I can sit at my home on Facebook, right? Or same thing. I don't have to go show up to a rally that I've got a pamphlet for at a at a uh, gun show. I can just have access to it on my phone. So how kind of specifically do they use the use social media to do this? Yeah, the other interesting thing too, you kind of reminded me of something. 
um, they also targeted people who didn't know Islam well. Yeah. They did not want people who knew Islam well. Uh, that was very problematic for them. Also, another thing people always say, oh, they must a bunch of psychopaths. Uh, one of the things I want to clear up, they're not, most of them weren't psychopaths because psychopaths are very hard to control. They're on their own wavelength. <laughs> they don't want to work with anybody. They don't care about anybody. So they might have had a few in there, and those are people who are probably isolated for some purpose. But yeah, psychopaths, they were not, unfortunately. Um, social media, they did use a lot. And I think this is one of the reasons why they're almost gone now is because they were using social media uh, completely free in a way, right? There was no restrictions for them. It was really bizarre. I would watch all their videos on YouTube. Thankfully, I was able to before I was right, well, I was writing the book because they took them all down, which was great. Yeah. Um, but they had people like Anwar Alaki. And Anwar Alaki, again, very sharp guy in the sense that he knew I'm going to target them American in the American sense. What I mean by that is he knew about burgers and hot dogs and holidays and TV shows. He knew the nostalgia around being an American, which is a hard thing to define anyway. But he knew what he what it meant, at least in an overall sense. And he spoke. He was articulate. He could relate to them. And it was, he was very powerful in that. So they used YouTube for that, for the sermons. They answered those existential questions that we all have. Things like, uh, where are we going to go after we die? Why do bad things happen to good people? And they created a lot, too, this us versus them mentality on social media, which is happening today. Uh, this tribalism, I guess, as they call it. So they created this dichotomous view that it's us versus Western culture. That's how ISIS viewed it, not me. So they were creating this, that these are the people holding you back. So what you would have if you had an American who felt marginalized, who felt that the government was against them, who felt society was against them, nobody wanted them, they resonated with them. And if you're over in the Middle East or whatever other country that you felt that the West was holding you back, you resonated with them. So they would use Twitter. Uh, they created fake accounts. Um, they created some accounts that were fake just to be able to show these positive messages. And then every so often they'd intersperse things in. Uh, they would create... Um, Facebook pages, they had magazines, they were really big on music, because they knew music had an impact on people, so they would create their own songs, right, the, the brain remembers a lot more if you connect something salient, so they would tag these music, this music, this acapella music, which they thought was really powerful, because you can't, in, in really conservative versions of Islam, you can't listen to certain types of music that have words, and they don't want that, so you can't do that, and then they lumped everybody together, and then they threw in a lot of Catholic uh, stuff into there too, with the Pope and the Western culture destroying everybody. And all this was propagated through the social media, which was crazy. And then they jumped into a lot of the people who were anti-government. So it was kind of interesting how they piggyback on those individuals and said, hey, yeah, we agree with you. <laughs> those guys are nuts up there. Yeah, no, and man, you bring up some like uh, each one of e e well, each as I'm saying like each one of these points we could probably do an entire podcast episode on, and and it, meaning because that's how deep they go and how much you see them. But that us versus them mentality is very very dangerous because it 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 makes it that binary world. It makes it very like you said this dichotomous view. So. Now you're forced. Now I have to make a decision because I'm like, well, I, I got to be on a team because we all have to be part of a group or a team, right? That's just we, we innate in our human behavior. We like to fit in. Like you said, is there's very few people who don't, and that's you, you like different people with psychopathic traits and stuff like that. No, they don't want to be controlled. They want to do their own thing. There's not a lot of people like that, right? And so, but in the beauty too uh, of that us versus them sort of mentality is it it makes it very simple, right? So now it's a very, it's an easy view of the world. It's a simple view of the world because as you know, there's 
like you said, there's a lot of nuance. There's a lot of subtlety. All of these issues are very, very complicated sometimes, but we don't want that because I need it just on the drop of my tongue. I just want to be able to say this. And, and there's all kinds of different psychology behind that. You know, it's like the whole idea of, of, you know, someone living underneath a tyrannical rule, right? No, when I'm under a tyrannical rule, I have this horrible government, you know, that's brutal dictatorship ruling over me. Not only do I get to blame, you know, my life on that. I mean, I literally get to blame everything on that. I no longer have a bad marriage because it's their fault, right? I don't I no longer have like, hey, I'm not strong enough in the gym. It's oh, it's because I got this brutal dictator. So I kind of have this scapegoat where I can blame not just what I think is wrong with the world, but kind of what I think is wrong with me as well. And and now I go, well, it's it's their fault. Well, if I just if I just get rid of that, well, pfft, then I'm good. And unfortunately, it's it's not that it's not that easy. So I don't I don't know, Greg, I see you like Yeah, I, I, and I'm feverishly writing to try to <laughs> yeah. keep up with you jerks. Uh because you talk about such great topics that there's so many angles that I'd like to go down. So I got just a couple and I'll throw them all out there for you, cats. So one of the things is uh, 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 you guys are so spot on to this, and this is why it's fun to to listen and talk to this. And folks, if you're viewing or listening to us, jot down and do your homework because this is as much about your kids as uh, right. uh, smoking or vaping or anything else. It, it's listen when the message comes to me, and the message makes it feel like you feel my problems and you understand me, I'm more likely to reach out because the mirror neurons in my brain and the electrochemical neurotransmitters make me want to crave that friendship and the homophily kicks in. So trust me, we, we, Brian, I agree with you. We could do five more shows with Carlos on just these topics. Here's one. Uh, Bloods and Crips and the Latin counts are easier uh, uh, or harder to get into than it is to get into ISIS, Al-Shabaab, Al-Qaeda. Uh, that's a problem we still haven't addressed. Uh, uh, the FBI is brilliant uh, at, at tracking down people. That's why they're surrounding Dr. Carlos just when he was doing the research. But those uh, organizations, homegrown organizations and gangs, are harder to get into than it is to to go, uh, uh, you know, to to Pakistan, let's say, and be recruited in one of these. And one of our good friends uh, uh, from Sri Lanka, uh, Brian, Dr. Supin uh, Samara Sakara. Uh, uh, shout out to him if he's listening. Great to hear him. So I spent some time in Sri Lanka and spent a lot of time talking to Dr. Supin. And uh, I'm coming back from the airport from a recent trip. And uh, uh, at Denver, sometimes you can't get into Gunnison. It's just not going to happen on that day. And you got to drive the five and a half hours one way from Denver airport. And you got to pay $300 for a rental sled one way to drop it off. It's ridiculous stuff because you live in a, a remote area of apocalyptic thinking. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's me. And so I got my pioneer kit in the back and, you know, I, I got a hood on uh, uh, black Nomex when I'm driving. Uh, so the guy that's checking me into my car is on his phone and talking to somebody else. And they're speaking a language that I'm quite familiar with. And so I, I happen to say, hey, are you from Sri Lanka? And he goes, yeah, I am. And, and I said, hey, hate the eavesdrop, but it's a long way. Can we get this along? Uh, uh, and so we started a conversation, and he hated America. And I said, well, you hate America? You got a great job. You're working at a great place. I mean, you've got great clothing. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm still doing a hustle, and I'm 60. What, what are you talking about? And he's like, oh, you know, they told us the streets were paved with gold, and they said all this. Listen, he was going through 
these buyer's remorse, the stages of regret that a lot of those ISIS people found out too, when they finally got on the ground and it shut your mouth and dig a hole and you guys stand up there with the rifles. So there's this balancing act when Brian, as you were saying, I need to find something that completes me. Hey, listen to marketing up front is going to go right to your brain. Mm -hmm. But then when you get on the ground, that's when the bullet's going to go to your brain or the the bomb is going to blow up. So how do we keep them uh, uh, interested? Well, it must be working because Assam the American, Assam al-Amriki, was from California, and uh, he certainly wasn't from the Middle East. Johnny Walker Lind that uh, uh, was captured up in uh, Mazar uh, Isharit and and, uh, was uh, there when uh, Mike Spann got killed at – the former CIA agent. Sorry, all of this coming back. Johnny Walker Lynn. He's a, a, a kid from America. Uh, uh, which Majigger from Daphne, Alabama. Omar Hamami uh, was born and raised in Daphne, Alabama. And that's not his real name. They assumed these identities because for the first time, somebody handed him an AK and a radio and said, go lead the troops, buddy. You're in charge. And I think that's overwhelming. And final point before uh, I throw it back into the scrum, Doc, you were talking about music and how music, uh, scrum rather, how music appeals. Hey, you've got these uh, Mexican gangs and Central and South American gangs that use the corrido. Uh, uh, corrido is a story song that's been around for generations. So how does that appeal to somebody? All of a sudden, you're seeing a bikini-clad female. She's standing next to a Mercedes that's a stretch limo, and the guy's got a band playing behind him and say, all this, pardon the street vernacular, I got all this shit from slinging uh, dope and killing on the streets. And you know what? That I'm eating the popcorn. I'm going, wow, I want some of that stuff because, you know, I, I've lived in a barrio all my life. I haven't had it. So all of these are salient points. And again, Brian, to the readers and the, uh, uh, the viewers, and again, Dr. Carlos, for your book and, and for your radio show, listen, folks, tap into this because if you understand this, you'll understand how people get recruited to do zany things all over the nation and how people fall into the trap. It's great stuff. I'm sorry, Brian. I, I just wanted to get all that out before I forgot it. <laughs> no, again, this is I'm writing notes too. For God's yeah. sake. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. And, and that's, uh, it's how we look at it too. Right. So Greg brought up, you know, the bloods, crips, Latin Kings. We talked about cartels, you know, with the Corridos, they all have different, now they have their own music and their own culture and their own language and their own yep. beliefs and thoughts. And, and that's, you know, we, we do the general lumping them in as look, it's all the same. Like you joined, you grew up and joined a, a, a street gang. I grew up and joined the Marine Corps. So it's not, it's not too far different. Right. Our, our, our intent and our aims are likely a little bit different, but, but a lot of the stuff is, is the same, especially just the psychology behind it and how to do that. And so, I'm just curious if you have like, you know, how, how do, how do I, I, you know, me, I'm sitting here in the U S and I'm going through Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all this stuff. And I'm just bombarded by these photons just all day long. And it's information, information. And I don't know the credibility of any of it. Right. I don't know what's real. What isn't, what's just a video that's out of context. What's a real statement. What's the actual story, you know? And so I'm going through that as how do like my other thing is, Cause that's hard. I mean, I'll, I'll say that's a general hard problem we have in the U S for anyone. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how dumb you are going through something and trying to determine fact from fiction and what you need to believe is very difficult now. So, and I think we're just still as a society figuring out the best way to do that. But, but how do you see, like, how do I prevent myself from falling into that trap? Like, are there some general indicators that I can look out for where I go, Oh, I see a statement kind of like that. I know it must be there because you brought up a good one. I mean, the overarching one, the the apocalyptic one. If I 
if I'm telling you that things are ending, like that's, that's, I'm, I'm trying to get you to feel a certain way. And if I'm leading with emotion and feeling, generally there might not be a lot of meat on the bone there. I don't know what your thoughts are on there or how to kind of like identify that stuff when you see it. And that's the million dollar question. And if I can't, if I could spend one minute talking about my notes and I can get to your answer. If oh, that's yeah, possible. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Let whatever. me do that. There's a lot of stuff I want to throw out there really quickly. And Greg will have to grab his pen in here in a minute. But fundamental attribution bias is another one, right? Yes. Uh, that's what we see a lot. People, uh, especially with these individuals who go for these groups, uh, terrorist groups, gangs, whatnot, uh, when they look at these things, they attribute their downfall, their downtrodden life to external forces. So the external locus of control has been given over to what society, what the environment is doing to them, and they don't take as much responsibility as they should. So the internal locus of control is really low for these individuals is what we found out. So the internal locus of control means you have control over your own outcomes, your own decisions in life. And a lot of these individuals believe they really don't. And it doesn't matter who you are. These people could come from wealthy families. Mm -hmm. They can come from political families. I've seen them all in ISIS. They had everybody. They didn't discriminate. Got to give them that. There are no violations in that. So it didn't matter what race or ethnicity, uh, what social economic background you had, they could use you, what skill sets you had. So that was interesting for me. The other thing Greg mentioned about membership getting into it. Yeah, ISIS was a lot easier than other groups, uh, depending on where you were and what you were going to do in the organization. It also reminded me some aspects were just as difficult as an outlaw motorcycle gang, right? Those guys actually have background checks. A lot of times they have former police officers (laughs) that have retired that have taken and done their background checks, really bizarre stuff. Um, But also you mentioned uh, the news and how that alters America because of the way they present things can alter America, can alter your view and perception of the world. This is kind of leading to your answer now. Um, so when you get like Facebook, for instance, was caught a few years back, there's an article on it where Facebook was manipulating posts. So they posted a lot of positive things and then they were analyzing the comments of people to see how they were influenced. And they realized, Oh, look, they're, they're more happy when we post a series of this. And if we post a series of negative things, they change again. Then there's other things like search engine manipulation effect that was done a couple of years ago with regards to politics. Where when you search something now, look at it, folks. When you search something now, look at the same cast of characters that keep popping up. It doesn't really matter what side you're on. It doesn't matter left or right. It doesn't really matter. But you'll see the same newspapers or news sites coming up all the time. And you can see it on YouTube now as well. No, and that and that changes even your location. So if I'm in, if I'm searching on Google here, versus because we travel all the time, so I'll search something on Google, be like. And, and your suggested things that, that to finish your Google search, right? Is suggestions will pop up. They're different based on locations. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I just, that one popped in my head when oh, you were talking no. about that. Yeah. Absolutely. And they are. When you look up things, you'll see, and everything is going one direction or another. And it's really bizarre because our ability to access information isn't as free as it used to be, which makes it much more complicated. It's um, fast. It's fast and much faster, but not as free. Great point, Doc. Absolutely, it is. And, and you know what? 70% of the people don't read past the headlines and about the first paragraph. And if you read it, and I do this on my, on my show, if you read it, you read the headline, it's regurgitated in the first paragraph. Then the next paragraph, the majority of people won't pass the second paragraph. So all you did is reread the headline. Don't tell me that's an accident. They've done that on purpose because they know they're going to keep it, regurgitate it. And then the actual meaning <laughs> or the other side of this coin is about five or eight paragraphs down. So you might have seen some kind of hyperbolic headline. And then later, about seven paragraphs down, you go, oh, wait a minute. But 
here it says it may not be true. <laughs> but the headline made it seem like it was true or was this fault or was this that happened? But then seven paragraphs down, it doesn't. So I guess a couple ideas. One of the ideas I'll tell people is read the whole entire article. You can't dissect everything in life. There's not enough time. So you're going to have to dissect things that are important to you, things that you feel that are important to you, things that you value. Because you're not going to sit here, well, did the Dodgers really win by that much? You can't sit here and start looking at everything. Did he? Did they really lose because of that home run? It doesn't make any sense. You have to look at things that matter to you. Um, so if you probably should lay down the political world, I'm not going to get into that, but there's a, there's a lot of stuff out there that politicians will use and the campaigns will use, and they'll use hyperbole. Look, I mean, last night was a classic example. You have a debate and you got one side says one person won, the other side says the other person won. And now you're sitting there going, okay, <laughs> they're not biased whatsoever, are they? Yeah. And it's very rare to find any middle ground. I'm sorry? No, no, go ahead, yeah, please. Yeah, so you have a lot of things that you have to be careful. I always tell people, look for local news and look what's happening to local news. They're trying to squash them. Because the local news, for me at least personally, it's harder to lie because the locals know it. So if you're in San Diego and you're in Carlsbad, that's not even in Carlsbad. That didn't even happen here. They know it. They can figure that out. But if you're talking about Carlsbad in New York, like what is Carlsbad? Is that a movie? What is that thing? And they don't even know. So that's kind of crazy. What's going on? Like I tell a lot of people a lot of times, look, how many people, how many cities are looting right now? Maybe five, 10. I want to give it to you. I'm going to say there's 30 cities that are looting. I don't think so, but I'll give it to you. There are 3,000 cities in the U.S. That's 1%. But if you look at, at the news, you look at some availability bias, you think it's happening everywhere. America's blowing up. There's no way to well, I'll leave it there for now. No, no, that's, that's <laughs> no, all. No, no, it's right on. Especially with, you know, you talk about fundamental attribution error and, and our biases towards that and, and how we digest that. A great points to the local news. That's one thing I love when I travel is that'll be the only thing I turn on in the hotel if I want to watch something is like, hey, there's a local news. Plus it's obviously too, because it gives me, I need to know what's going on in the area when I travel. And that's what you'll find out. But you find out about the high school team that just won and you see cool stories about like Bill down the street that did something this. So the local flair, and like you just said, they're reporting things that are going on in their area, which obviously just in general for security, that makes sense. So you want to know what's going on, whether there's some big uh, a political rally the next day or a protest that something's happened. You can avoid those areas but so not just at a tactical level but I, I think it's a great point that i kind of didn't even realize is like they actually have to be more careful with the message because like you said the people watching it live in that immediate area and go hey what what the hell's going on that's that's not true and uh and and so so that that's in, in, incredible and you know you you did bring up some good points i tell people too is you know think about what's important to you and and if you want to deep dive that you know then then go for it research all you can because there's so many issues now that we're being bombarded with that we're supposed to take a stance on, we're supposed to know about, but how do I know about all these issues? Like, like you want to talk about foreign U.S. foreign policy? Geopolitics is extremely complicated. So you can't take a little click headline and go, yeah, there's administrations doing something wrong or yeah, they're killing it. They're doing a great job over here. And you're like, well, hang on. That's a little oversimplifying the issue. So I, I think taking some of the information that way is good. And, uh, you know, well, one of the other things you said perfectly about like the protests too, especially, and I'm not trying to diminish anything that's happened anywhere, but when they talk about like Kenosha, Wisconsin, I'm like, Kenosha, do you know, do you know how big, like this is Kenosha, Wisconsin? Cause I just drove through there the other day. Cause I was visiting my family uh, up in Wisconsin. And like, literally I was like, it, it, it's not, this isn't some 
major, this isn't New York city, right? There's like, how many blocks could have there, how many people could have actually been there protesting because there's only so many people that live there, but we think like, oh, it's burning down and this is crazy. And again, I don't want to minimize anything, but you just put it in a perfect percentage. Like, all right, add up all the ones where this is happening at how much, what percentage of the population or the number of cities that we have. And that just puts it into focus. We can go, oh, okay. Uh, instead of just looking through a straw, right? I can pull back a little bit and take, you know, take a 30,000 foot view and go, let's get some perspective here. So uh, I don't know, Greg, I think you were trying to. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm listening to your great points. I'm on page three now for all that uh, keep in track. So, so here we go. This is the way the broadcast is going to be. Each of us throw out the things and then each of us react to the other. And I love that because there's so much great stuff. So shout out to, and I want to be the first to go on record, Brian, to say that Dr. Carlos is not afraid to take on ISIS, but he is afraid to take on American politics because, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, because that's, that's where the real danger lies. Yeah, um, it's true. It's more dangerous. I, yeah, it really is. I think it really is. <laughs> so uh, uh, a street level view of, fun, of fundamental attribution error that causes a bias. Uh, uh, if you're an injustice gatherer and you're one of those people that walks around the work saying, you see, that's just another reason that this, and you see how they're trying to keep us down. Listen, it doesn't matter that it's the pandemic that creates the chip on your shoulder. It doesn't matter that racial injustice is what creates the chip on your shoulder. You're going to find something today. It's mask wearing. I won't wear a mask. I'll be the nose guy. You know, that wears it under his nose. That's not the way. And I'm just waiting for a response. So if your locus of control is so internal that your confirmation bias leads you to make all the decisions in your life, then you're going to be susceptible to uh, manipulation. I say for our readers and listeners, go after the intent. If it's intentional ma manipulation, that means that there's somebody like a marionette at the other end that's trying to control your strength. And I'll, I'll give an example. Uh, fake news is something that's patently false. There is falsehood there. But again, what's the intent behind that? Fake news to entertain is lampooning an issue, and there's or, plenty of magazines. Funny or yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Okay, so so let's let's get that clear. And Doc, what you call hyperbole and well placed and and perfect use of the word at the perfect time, I call in in many situations propaganda, because propaganda has the same type of intent. Hyperbole is to make me look better, so I uh, get laid, get another beer, you buy dinner, maybe something like that, right? So so the manipulation might be a much smaller span of control, but I'm using it for something. Whereas propaganda, maybe I've got an intent to do harm or to get people on my side or to win by being the loudest voice. And, and I would say that the hook works in America because we truly are, and I don't want to sound hyperbolic here, uh, we truly are a melting pot. And I'll give you an example. The other night, late night, sleep is overrated. There was one of those UFO shows, Brian. You know how much I love that. And this one had evidence. It even had evidence in the title. So I tuned in because I'm an artifact and evidence guy in support of a reasonable conclusion. So what they had is they had this uh, windsock tube puppet looking thing walking through a backyard. And they had like three different views of this. And then they had two. And it was clear, clearly two tube sock marionette looking things out of focus going through a backyard with some background lighting. And you're going to say to me, everybody right now that's listening, back up for a minute. Don't draw your conclusion. You're going to say, hey, with that low sophistication level, nobody's fallen for that to be a UFO. There's a guy that's been on in LA, and I swear to I'm looking around for his answer. He does the, the uh, uh, UFO show uh, for Mexico in Spanish, and I can't think of the guy's name. And he's been on for like 19 years that broadcasts out of his studio there. 
And he was called in and he said, these are accurate. This is uh, aliens that have come down. Why? Because when you want to believe something and when something is in your culture, then it takes on a reality that's greater than any news. And, and I'll give you one more example of that before I throw it back to the team. Listen, there was a two-headed cow born just, just a week or, or so ago in some place in India. And again, I don't have my notes in front of me and we don't have teleprompters, folks. We're just spitballing it out here. And that village said that was a message. And that message meant that this was going to go on. And you're going, oh, those are just old, stupid people. No, folks, everything you are is how you were raised and who you talked to by the water cooler and the influences that you had from your local media. And just because that's a lower level of sophistication, you can't discount that that person can be recruited to your political or, or, or uh, psychotic view if you're a, a mass killer or you know, into you know, hitchhiking and get into Jeffrey Dahmer's car. It's easy to manipulate people if you know what to go after. So the, the signal here is that you've got to set the hook. How do you set the hook? You make it titillating. Uh, uh, you make it interesting. You make it salacious. And now all of a sudden, they're over to your side. And, and Doc, I think your point is well taken. That's why they did such a great job commercial marketing in ISIS, right? Because they knew the hook. They researched their target market. These aren't stupid people. And they leveraged a lot of money and a lot of internet time and, and uh, uh, production value to get that message across. I think it's in the hook, too. And, and I think we're susceptible to the hook. I think we go willingly uh, uh, towards some of them, Brian. I completely agree. I don't yeah. know if I'm going to jump in. You got a question for me? No, yeah. No, I, I think, uh, and that goes back to kind of like their branding and their logos and the symbolism behind all of it and how, you, you know, how amazing the production value and everything. I mean, you, you know, of all of these different groups, and, and, and that could be a political group, and you know, I don't want people to get confused, just that when I throw this stuff together, I'm talking about behavior and their intent. Like I said, no, the Democrats or Republicans aren't trying you to be a suit or recruit you to be a suicide bomber. They're just, just trying to get your vote. But but it's it's the same same process. Right. So uh, now how far I'm willing to go, that's where I get in. You go. All right. There's some people that fall outside of, you know, one standard deviation of the mean. Right. Outside of what's considered that kind of normal. Right. And, and some people are, are more is susceptible to falling into those. And you even got some great comments here about people following on the, the Facebook live about like, you know, Hey, this is why people need a positive mentor. This is why you need, uh, uh, you need role models on stuff. And you're like, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, because if I, I need that belonging. So if I don't get it, I'm going to have to go look for it. And, and that's why from a behavior perspective, you know, I really like to look at all those groups, whether it's, you know, some group, uh, they're Antifa and they're way out on the far left, or you're a white supremacist group way out on the far right. To me, you're just the same. You're the same person. Uh, you can go back and forth between any of those groups. Had you'd met different people, you would have fallen in that group, but instead you, you went left and that person went right. Or, you know, you walked out the door, that person stayed in the room. And that's sometimes kind of, it's, it's it's it can be a little scary because then you're like wait so we're all susceptible to this and the answer oh, yeah. is or my answer would be yes to a certain degree now what degree that is is dependent on a lot of the factors you guys were talking about just societal factors environmental biological factors education level all that kind of stuff plays into it so I, i'm curious to how, how you look at that uh dr carlos about the different groups and how we'd like to fit them in on different political areas or different um, ideological backgrounds where realistically, behaviorally and psycho psychologically is almost no difference. I don't know if you'd 
think like that or what your what your thoughts on that would be? Well, yeah, I'm going to do to you what I did earlier, and I hope you don't mind. <laughs> so I'm going to highlight a couple of things that you brought up that both of you mentioned. Great conversation, and, and thank you for everybody out there listening too as well. I really appreciate it. Um, we're going to get into that in a second, if I can. Media, and I know it's a corporation. Look, they got to make money, so they have to do hyper, hyperbolic uh, statements, propaganda, whatever you want to say, right? They have to do it. Their, their world has changed drastically in 30 years. Trust oh, me, yeah. I'm not defining them. But they're, they're definitely it's changed a lot. And they've been uh, So they really play a lot of games now. They give you what I call – they don't even lie because you can't call them a liar. They're really deceptive, and they half-truth everything. And that's even more dangerous because half-truths are more believable. Uh, people will tend to do that, right? And one thing you guys mentioned, too, is – a phenomenon that I've been seeing a lot over the last decade or two, and maybe it's always been around. I just haven't paid attention to it. I think Joseph Campbell talked about it, the myth of a hero. People like this magical thinking. People like to get certainty, especially with things like death. You know, when we don't know what's going to happen, there's a thing called afterlife time perspective by Zimbardo. You might remember Zimbardo from the Stanford experiment, and he created this concept. And it's really true because it affects the way you think. But everything is uncertain. And we also like Somebody who's bigger than us, just like we were a child and our parents were taking care of our problems, we want something bigger than us to handle the, our everyday problems today as an adult. We want that Batman. We want that Superman. We want that power for groups. So if you're a marginalized individual and you see this ISIS or you see this drug cartel, which are really similar, I almost thought about writing a book because they use the same techniques, a lot of them, then that's that powerful group that can help you. And it's really bizarre because we have these superhero movies all the time, Spider-Man, whatever it is, and they overcome everything that the, the regular police can't figure out, right? They, the cops can't stop the Joker, but Batman can. And again, it's that regular problem, and you have to have that supernatural hero. Um, to answer your question now, we tend to categorize everything. You guys know this from your great program. Um, we tend to categorize everything in our lives, right? We put people in groups. And I think society. there's a great guy, great book. It's definitely an academic book for, for the listeners out there, but it's, it's Social Identity Theory by Tashfield, T-A-J-F-E-L. And he talks about this, and he talks about how people are categorized. And we do it to ourselves every time when I ask my my, my uh, people who are in the groups where I lecture, I ask them, what sport team do you like? Oh, I'm a Dodger fan. I'm a Yankee fan. And when you say Yankee fan, there's a Dodger fan in the room. You hear a grunt. There's a physiological change, right? It's like, wow. So you, just part of you becomes now a Dodger fan. Part of you becomes a Democrat or a Republican. Part of you becomes a Christian and a type of Christian. And I've always found out that sometimes there are more differences within groups than there are between groups, which is even phenomenal. I can't just be a Cuban. My family's from Cuban background. Uh, I was born here, but my family's a Cuban background. So I'm a Cuban-American. But people from Cuba, oh, he's a Cuban-American. So he's not a real Cuban. Oh, he's a Cuban from Florida. Well, that's not the same thing as <laughs> California. We're like, oh, wait a minute. You live in a cul-de-sac or you don't, you know, you know this guy. Like, what in the world? I remember Beverly Hills 9021. People divided each other up by area codes. 909. Remember that? Oh, he's from the 909. We tend to categorize people so quickly into all these different areas that it's mind-blowing. Or you're an only child. You're, you're the youngest. You're the middle. And it's amazing. You guys know this in seven seconds, right? We're trying to size up somebody and profile them and create these things by the way they look, their clothes, how articulate, unarticulate they are. So when it comes to social identity, I definitely see it in a lot of areas and a lot of groups, not just in terrorist groups such as ISIS, which they became their own group and they had their own fights and Al-Qaeda and them actually, Bin Laden did not like ISIS. For those right. people out there, yeah. 
interest in it. He did not like Zarkari, one of the first founders. He thought he was way out there. They didn't want to deal with it. And everybody wanted to identify with the winning team. And here, too, we divide ourselves up all the time. It's really it's quite unfortunate. Well, that that's an interesting dynamic, too. Not just uh, group stuff and how we divide each other and all that. It's also, I mean, what you just pointed out, the difference then within those groups. So now you have Al-Qaeda, but then then you have ISIS. And and remember, ISIS was there. We were fighting them back in 04. And then they became, well, we'll pledge allegiance to become Al-Qaeda in Iraq. And then and then when you get it, when you're getting secret messages from Osama bin Laden saying, hey, why don't you tone it down a little bit? You're a little too violent. Back off on the violence. Okay, that, that goes to show you where you're at. But but that's now becomes the new standard. So so that was Zarqawi doing the, all right, well, he did that. Well, you know what? I'm going to go one step further. And then what's the next group going to do? Well, okay, now we're going to go one step further. And so that baseline constantly changes when you have this overarching group. And then you have someone who has, again, the psychology behind, well, no, we're going to be even bigger and better. We're the new group. We're the new set. You see that with gangs, the same thing, like newer gangs, like in Chicago is a perfect example where I'm from. Like there, there's just you got 12, 10, 11 year old kids now just killing each other, shooting each other. And you're going, well, what the hell? Like back in the seventies, there was like, you know, 10 gangs at most. And they would sit down with people from the community and the police and go, all right, you won't go here and you won't do this. Well, then they came in and locked up all these big time you know, OG guys that were running it. So what did that create? That created a whole bunch of little gangs. And then they started arresting those leaders and that created more little gangs. And now you got people fighting and dying over literally three blocks. Like, I mean, no joke. We have, we have these three blocks and we'll kill you for that. And you're going, holy crap. Like that's just how it gets to there. And and that all comes into that same, well, I, yeah, I'm part of this group, but now I want to be part of that group, you know? And, and I, I think if, if we could all identify that way, or at least know that that's what you're doing, you know, then I, I think it becomes a little bit more clear when you see it somewhere else. And the, the sports analogy is a good one. I remember being, this is years ago. It was a, a Saturday night. I was out in downtown San Diego. My buddy was taking me up some of this like little rooftop bar thing. And you had to take the elevator up there. And the next day, uh, the chargers were playing the, um, the Raiders. So they had the Raider fans in town. Everyone knows about the Raider fans are like, you know, super hardcore into the Raiders and it's Raiders, everything. So these drunk Raider fans get on the elevator to go up and I'm stuck in an elevator and they're going, yeah, we got the game tomorrow. And they're trying to like, like talk crap to me. And I'm not even a Chargers fan. I'm not from here. I'm from Chicago. So I'm a bears fan. And they're like, yeah, we're going to beat you guys. And I'm like, uh, uh okay. Like i I'm not a Chargers fan. And they were like, well, you shouldn't be because I'm like, well, you're, you're just looking for a fight. This has nothing to do with anything else other than what's going on. And I thought it was just a great way to look at how that group identity can become so strong to the point that this guy wanted to get in an argument, argument with me. And, and I, I wasn't even opposing his views. I, I had said nothing about him. So I, I like the sports analogy used too as well. Absolutely. I think one thing it's important to remember is I'm going to link uh, ISIS to Jenny Craig uh, for a moment for our viewers. So, and, and shout out uh, Dr. Carlos, shout out uh, uh, for being Cuban and Cuban American and the Florida connection, the Cuban being my favorite sandwich. Whenever I go to Ybor city uh, uh, down there, I just absolutely love that uh, idea. Listen, the hook and the level of sophistication, we're talking humans. We're talking human pattern recognition analysis. We're talking human psychology and sociology here. So <clears throat> when you see the Peloton ads, nobody that's in shape needs the Peloton ad to motivate them to buy a Peloton. They're already in good shape. 
And those people that are doing the workout, they're going, you're, you're paying me to work out. Okay. So then you take the weight loss and, and Jenny Craig and all the rest are there. Uh, why do they always show you the people having the shake or, or the candy bar? Because they know that we're never going to get in that kind of shape. We're not going to have the temerity to, to follow that. Yet the hook works, and it's a multi-billion dollar industry. Listen, we are unique little snowflakes that have a bunch of fears of the unknown. And when somebody comes along and says, you've got a way out, you don't have to play the hand that you're dealt. We get hooked, and I think we jump at it. And I'm not saying weight loss plans don't work because you always see the ones that they work for. I'm not saying Peloton don't work because if you work out, you'll be better. But every diet plan says the same thing. If you do a diet and you exercise, you're going to lose the weight. So what am I saying? We all want to drop on the tongue, Brian. And Dr. Carlos, we all want to belong to something. And parents, if you're listening to this, uh, leaders, teachers, coaches, it's a slippery slope and a very thin line that separates joining ISIS from joining the Boy Scouts, from joining ISIS to buying a Peloton. And, and now the line is blurrier, Brian, I think, than ever before. That's that's a yeah that's that's a good point. I, good I, I think that's a good way that's to so to look at it. And I want to kind of um, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. But what I'm I'm thinking from this is that why don't we do another one and we'll just take one specific area that we discuss <laughs> out of these pages of notes. I, I tell you what, I, one, one of my favorite guests, <laughs> Doctor Carlos. You've, you've oh, yeah. been one of my favorite guests. Yeah, because so we've so we, we've already so been on fun. here for over an hour, and I don't want to take up more of your time. We got other calls and stuff. So, but I think we'll, let's pick one of those, um, uh, to go to and, uh, real quick to uh, Dr. Carlos, cause I I'll, I'll put up all your links in, in the episode details, but tell everyone all the other stuff you have going on. Cause we just did a video collaboration. You got YouTube channels, you're all over Instagram and stuff. So please tell everyone where to find that too. Thank you very much. Yes, folks, if you want to know more, um, we do a podcast is one of the first thing I want to point everybody to, which is forensic psychology. So if you're into criminal minds and stuff like that, check it out. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, any platform. So again, look for forensic psychology. Also, we has another one called Inside the Criminal Mind. So you can check that one. That's a weekly podcast on um, serial killers. So, you know, hey, there you go. Always a lot of fun for people who are interested. Um, you can find me on Instagram on the Dr. Carlos Show. I'm on over there. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter. Uh, it's under at Inside the Badge on Twitter if you want to follow me there. And the Dr. Carlos Show on YouTube. Uh, we are starting a new channel, but we're still in effect, so I'm not going to send you there. Uh, it's Detect the Wolf if you want to check it out. Uh, so we're going to have Greg and Brian did a great show for us um, to that, too. So definitely follow me, Dr. Carlos. You can Google it. You'll see me there. If you want to find me on LinkedIn as well, I'll be there. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, I'll uh, get some feedback from everyone from this one. If you're listening and if there's something specific you want us to cover and hey, the three of us will get on here and we can we can do something like that. That would be I think that would be fun. Uh, again, this is really good stuff. I know I didn't even realize we had been going for an hour and was like, oh, uh, yeah, we got to we got to bring this in. We got some other calls and everything. So, um, yeah, I'll put up all those links. Everyone listening. We really appreciate it. Dr. Carlos. Thank you so much for coming on. And let's uh, let's let's do this one again all right absolutely i'm game awesome all right well, well don't forget everyone that training changes behavior and we're thanks for tuning in folks if you would like some more information about what we talked about today you can head to the left of greg patreon site where we've added some more information about what we discussed as well as some examples of how you can practically apply some of the lessons learned please remember to tell your friends about the show and follow us on facebook at hbpra thanks again and be safe